Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You see, a two-edged sword has no blunt side. And this is what he's saying. There's not a single verse of Scripture that the Spirit cannot use in his dealings with men. That's why the more we can just get the Word of God out there, the more impact we're going to see take place. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, in a message titled, The Word of God, Living and Powerful. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Hebrews, chapter 4. We are there once again today. And we're going to be looking today at just one verse, coming back and looking more closely at the 12th verse. A familiar verse, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Most of the time when we think about this verse or we hear it quoted, we, we generally think about it outside of its context. We think about it just in the sense of what it's saying about the word of God itself. And that's the look that I want to take at it here today. So looking more generally at what it teaches us about the Word of God. And so, for the Word of God, he says, first of all, is living. The Word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible is a living book. It's a living book. And of course, those on the outside don't understand that. But This is what we know to be the case. There is no other book like it in all the world, nor has there ever been. There's no comparing, as you know, people oftentimes will try to make a comparison, you know, between various literatures of the world religions or so forth. Or, or maybe even, you know, a comparison with philosophical writings or whatever. But there is no comparison. Of the 16 million volumes in the Library of Congress, there are none that are living. The Word of God is living. Now, there may be a measure of power in other books, for certain thoughts and ideas have a degree of power, But other books do not have that indescribable vitality in them, which breathes and speaks and pleads and conquers as in the case of the Bible. And so that's the first thing that we need to consider. The word of God is living. The word of God itself is, as, as we read it, as we subject ourselves to it, uh, even before we perhaps believe it, it has 
an impact. There's this miraculous element to it. And, and of course, it's through the word of God that we're ultimately brought into life spiritually. But it's also, as, as a living book, it is a life-giving book. And this is the experience of the servants of God, the people of God, that as, as we come to the word, and we might come at times just feeling completely dead. What do we do when we, we have the, sort of that emotion of deadness in, in the sense? How do we arouse ourselves spiritually? Well, we, we come to the word. And because the word is living, there are those times when just, you know, even a sentence will have that kind of impact to spark us back to life and to energize us and to give us what we need to carry on. And so the word of God is living. Secondly, the word of God is powerful. Some translations read active. And the Greek word is the word from which we get our word energy or energetic. And so the word of God is energetic. It is energizing. And think of the number of things that are attributed to the energy of God's word. First of all, creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The, the sky shows forth his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, night unto night shows forth knowledge. And it's through the word of the Lord that the heavens were made. It's through the breath of his lips that all things came into existence. And so when we think of the power of God's word, how powerful is God's word? God's word spoke everything into existence. Think about that. God spoke. There, there was nothing. God spoke, and then there was something. As, as we read the creation account in Genesis, the Latin term that's used for creation as described in Genesis is creation ex nihilo, which means creation from nothing. The Hebrew word there in the Genesis text when it refers to the initial creation is the Hebrew word bara. And the Hebrew word bara means to create from nothing. And so how could it be that there was nothing and then something came forth? God spoke it into existence. And it's that very word that God spoke that brought all things into existence. That's the word that he's speaking of here as well. And so the word of God is powerful. It creates. The word of God is powerful. It convicts. The word of God has this convicting power. And sometimes, and I'll go into this a little more in a second, but sometimes it can be just a, a again, just a word or two, just a sentence that can bring a deep conviction upon the soul of man. Of course, it's through conviction that we're ultimately led to conversion. But it's the word of God that brings the conviction. It's the word of God that brings the conversion. Peter reminds us that we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. Our, our very conversion is a result of God's word. God's word, in other words, then 
it's so powerful that it brings us, it recreates us, it brings us new life. And then it conforms us. It conforms us. It's through the word of God that we go through this process of being conformed into the image of Christ. And the theological term for this would be sanctification. But what sanctification is, it's being made like Jesus. And it's a process, it's a lifelong process, but it's God's word that's doing that conforming. And it has the power to do that. And of course, there are many other things, but I'll just add one more. The word of God is powerful to comfort. Well, how many times have we needed comfort and consolation and we find it there in God's word? We find it in the pages of scripture. I don't know that there is any other religious book in the world that even offers comfort. But the Bible is, is that book that brings to us that, that comfort, that comfort that's really uh, unexplainable in human terms. Again, sometimes just a word can bring great peace and comfort. And so the word of God is living. It is powerful. But then he says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the idea here, the word sharper could be, it could be translated cutting. The word of God cuts through. That's the picture. The word of God, you know, cuts, you know, we, we use the, the phrase, you know, let's just cut to the chase. You know, that means let's just get down to the real core issue here. That's what God's word does. God's word cuts through the camouflage that we try to so often hide behind. And God's word just cuts all of that away. It cuts through the confusion that a situation can bring. It gets right down to the heart of the matter. It lays bare the soul. It cuts through everything. It's living. It's powerful. It's cutting. And he refers to it, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, why a two-edged sword? Well, what is implied here is that there is no blunt side to God's word. You see, a two-edged sword has no blunt side. It cuts this way and it cuts that way. And this is what he's saying. There's not a single verse of scripture that the spirit cannot use in his dealings with men. That's why the more we can just get the word of God out there, the more impact we're going to see take place. This is what we need to bring to bear on the, the problems of the world, the problems in people's lives. We need to bring to bear this sharp word of God. And there's not a single scripture that the spirit cannot use in his dealings with men. God can take any portion of his word and he can use it. And again, I say this, this is why we need to get God's word out to people. 
It's easy to get sidetracked and to, caught up, uh, to get caught up in debate and argumentation, you know, philosophically and all of those kinds of things. And I'm not, I'm not saying there's not times when we have to answer bad philosophy with good philosophy and all of that. But we better never forget that at the end, we, we've got to make sure to get the word of God in there because that's the thing that can make the difference. And so he says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing between the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So dividing between soul and spirit. You see, God's word shows us the difference between what is of the soul. The word here, the Greek word is psyche. Our word psychology comes from there, the study of the soul or the mind. So God's word shows the difference between what is of the soul and what is of the spirit. What is of man and what is of God, what is of grace and what is of nature. So it's God's word that divides where it is difficult for us to discern between these two things. It is difficult for us to know where the the soul leaves off and the spirit begins. But It's God's word that can divide between those two things. One writer said this. He said, our author is not concerned to provide here a psychological or anatomical analysis of the human condition, but rather to describe in graphic terms the penetration of God's word to the innermost depth of man's personality. That's what it is. God's word penetrates. God's word goes deep. And you see, it's God's word, again, that can get in when nothing else can get in. And then he says that it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word here is the word from which we get our word critic or critique. And so the word of God is the critic or the judge of our thoughts and intents. And you see, this is what God's word does. And this is why people despise it. This is why people don't want to hear it. This is why they they resist it, because it critiques us. It shows us what's true and what's false. It shows us what's right and what's wrong. And so as we read, study, and meditate on the word of God, it critiques and corrects us. That's its job. That's what it is intended to do. And so we should fully expect correction to come to us through God's word. So as we subject ourselves to it, as we open it up. And as we begin to meditate on it, we should expect that it's going to, at certain points, it's going to say, okay, you're you're thinking this way, but that thinking is wrong. This is the right way to think. You're behaving this way, but that behavior is unacceptable. This is the proper way to behave. That's what God's word does. It critiques. It is a critique of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It shows us what is right and wrong, what pleases and displeases God. It brings us into line with God's will. The Bible, the word of God, as has been the case always, but probably more so right now than in any recent 
time in the past is under radical attack. People trying to discredit the scripture. People trying to say that, well, the Bible got it wrong about this. Well, these are just the opinions of men. This is before the scientific age. They didn't really know and they thought certain things, but those things were wrong. And now we know better than they did. And so you can't really trust the Bible totally or completely. You have to understand that it was written in a certain cultural context. And, you know, it was relevant back then, but there's much of it today that is irrelevant, outdated. And, and this, is, this is happening. This is, of course, the, the position that the liberal, theologically liberal churches took decades ago and have held to and subsequently emptied out their churches as a result. But there, now these days, there, there's within the evangelical camp, the, the group of people that have historically believed the Bible to be God's authoritative word, now there's this questioning that's coming in. There's this doubt that is being cast. There's this challenging of the clear teaching and the plain statements of Scripture. And so what has happened where God's word is the critique of man, man has now become the critic of God's word. But it doesn't matter because in the end, God will have the final say-so, not men. So know this, God's word will correct you. God's word will critique you. God's word will tell us that our thinking is wrong, our behavior is wrong, our attitude is wrong. That's what God does. You know, it's so funny today how, you know, it's like people want to believe in God, but they don't want a God that's going to have any authority over their lives. They want a manageable God. They want a God that's going to be there when they get in trouble, but the rest of the time, he's just going to be silent and let them do what they want. But the God of the Bible is not silent. He will not sit by and allow us to live contrary to his will without critiquing us and in some cases even judging. And so since the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, and so forth. Since this is the case, what is to be our attitude toward it? Well, our attitude toward it should be the attitude that God called Joshua to take toward the word. In Joshua chapter one, verse eight, the Lord is speaking to Joshua, and this is what he says to him. He says, this book of the law. And of course, at the time of Joshua, it was, it was really just the mosaic the law that was given, that was the extent. But today, now, it expands beyond that. It goes out to the entirety of Scripture. And of course, specifically and especially to the New Testament writings. But this, and this is the thing I want you to get, this is, what, this is God saying this. This is what God says to Joshua. This wasn't even spoken through a prophet to Joshua. This was spoken directly by God to Joshua. And this is what he said. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night 
that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. This is what God says. Here's my word. Take it, believe it, meditate in it day and night and do what it says. And what is the promise? Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. And the prosperity that he's talking about there is not financial prosperity. The success that he's talking about is that you are going to succeed in loving and serving God and all that that entails. That's what you will succeed in. And in the end, that's the kind of success that you want because that's the only kind of success that matters in the end. When we stand before God, he's not gonna ask us questions like, how much money did you make? How successful were you in business? What was your reputation like in the community? Those are not going to be the questions. The questions are going to be very narrowed down to what did you do with my son? What did you do with my word? What did you do in regard to my will? And if we have taken to heart this admonition, we will succeed in loving and serving God and all that that entails. But one final thing, remember this. It is through the written word that we come to know the living word, Jesus our Savior. Paul said to Timothy, from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation which is through faith in Christ Jesus. So you see, Paul connects the, the holy scriptures, the written word with knowing Christ, the living word. And so the Bible is ultimately about the Savior. It's ultimately about the Savior. And that's where everything starts. All of the things that we've talked about, the conviction, the conversion, all of that, that's, that all happens through God's word to bring us into a relationship with the one who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, that he might make us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. So that's what is ultimately the objective of Scripture, is to present to us the Savior. Jesus said it himself. He said to the Pharisees in his day who had taken the text but missed the primary point, he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. They testify of him. And so the first objective of the Bible is to lead us to the Savior. And once we've been led to the Savior, then it is through his word that God does that work of sanctifying us conforming us into the image of his son, revealing to us his plan, his purpose, his will, his commandments, and so forth. And so may we hold fast to this word. And in a day when it's under vicious attack, not just from with outside the church, but even more dangerously from inside the church, May we hold fast 
to this word, this living, powerful word. For the month of January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. The world, the flesh, and the devil are constantly at war against us Christians, and sometimes we feel defeated, and at others we give in to the pressures of sin and compromise. But in those times, we should not expect harshness from heaven. We can expect the gentleness of Christ to draw us in all the more, because it is God who sets the terms by which He loves us, no matter how unlovable we think we might be. So no matter what your sin or how long you've been sinning, Jesus will never cast you out. If you need to be encouraged about Jesus' unfailing love for you, or if you know someone that needs to know Jesus' love for them, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.